0: Taken at the West Highland Police Station, 1984. You were there. Same model. These were taken today. You have to let me see my son. He's in great danger. New mission. Once, he was programmed to destroy the future what it's like to try to kill one of these things now his mission get down is to protect it come with me if you want to live you're really real his loyalty is to a child who sent you you did 35 years from now and his enemy he's a terminator like you right like me is the deadliest machine ever built can it be destroyed Uh, unknown this time there are two terminator two you just can't go around killing people why if you thought you had seen it all look again Terminator 2, Judgment Day. This time, he's back for good. Trust me. That was me. Trust me. Judgment Day. First Sunday of spring, and our topic is Judgment Day. Isn't that encouraging? I'm Joe Davis. I'm the lead teaching pastor here at the Garden, and this week we're talking about Judgment Day. Um, In Matthew 25, 31 to 46, I need to read this passage to you. I know it's long, so I didn't put everything up on the screen, but I put a couple key things up there, and when I get to them, I will put them up on the screen. But we're talking about Judgment Day, and what Jesus does is he explains a parable that kind of gives a picture of what Judgment Day will be like. And remember, the whole theme of the book of Matthew is convincing Jewish people that the Messiah that they had been waiting for was not the Messiah that was going to come, that the Messiah who was a military leader, a king, who would reestablish the throne of Solomon in Israel is not in reality what Jesus' work was. His, his work was to establish a new kingdom, a heavenly kingdom, a spiritual kingdom, And this continues in the theme. And what Jesus does in this parable is he totally turns on its head the Jewish perspective of what judgment day would be like. So I'm going to read a couple verses to you then I'll put some more on the screen. Here's what Jesus says. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That's important. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And that's a very interesting perspective. we we'll just stop there just for a second. What Jesus describes is the way the sheep operate. And then the scripture says, "And the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry? And when did we feed you or thirsty and we gave you drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you or naked and give you clothes? And he said, and when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will turn to those on his left, and he will say simply this, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Then they will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not minister to you? Then he will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life. It's a very troubling passage, disturbing passage. The first thing is, if you're a Jewish person and you're hearing this, the very first thing you hear is he says, he will gather together all the nations. And as a Jewish person, okay, that's fine. We understand he's got to gather all the nations, got to separate the Jewish people from the Gentiles. But then he says, no, I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats. And he makes no mention of ethnicity, he makes no mention of those who follow temple worship. And he changes it to works of righteousness. And he communicates that Judaism is no longer the standard for eternal life, but loving his sheep. Remember what he said to Peter? Some of you might remember this. Jesus, or Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then he says, well, then feed my sheep. This, too, would have been troubling for people that had invested their whole lives in temple worship and the system of Judaism to be right with God. But then let's talk about that. You know, we got that perspective. We understand how this would be disturbing for a Jewish person who worshiped in the temple. Now let's talk about how it is disturbing for us. People don't like to talk about judgment. Preachers don't like to preach about it. People don't like to face it. Why? Because judgment represents accountability. Judgment represents responsibility. Judgment represents a process by which it is determined if what you did was good enough or not to merit reward. This would be quite disturbing if the stakes are eternal life or eternal judgment. So let's look at a couple things. There's only two types of people in this parable. According to Matthew's gospel, only two kinds of people walk the earth. There are the sheep, those that hear the shepherd's voice and follow him. And there are goats, those that don't hear the shepherd's voice and go their own way. And there is a reason why Jesus used sheep and goats in the parable. Because by nature, sheep are ones that kind of like to herd together, and they follow the shepherd, and they're kind of, you know, they're they're simple, and they need to be cared for, and they want to be where there is security. Goats are kind of got their own mind; they like to go their own way. And I did I show I was going to put some pictures up there, but I saw some pictures of different ways where sheep, where goats would kind of infiltrate a sheep a herd of sheep. You know what they would do? They would try to jump on top of the sheep, to be on top of them. It's just kind of interesting, the way that he uses the picture of sheep and goats. But you understand, there is no middle ground with this parable. We are either kingdom members or we're not. We're either sheep or we're goats. There's no you know, sheep or goat combinations. There's no geep. That's a terrible word. I can't believe I just made up that word. <laughs> or "shoat. I didn't write that in my notes. I just made that up on the fly right there. Isn't that pretty good? <laughs> this passage alone does away with the idea that is peddled by many, even in Christian circles, that there is no hell, that there is no judgment, and that ultimately, as Rob Bell puts it in his book, love wins." Somehow, then the end, no matter what people believe, no matter what they do, in the end, ultimately, God will bring everybody into heaven. Well, that goes totally against what Jesus teaches in Matthew 25, where he says there are some who have eternal life prepared for them before the foundation of the world, and then some who are cast into judgment. Look, you can disagree if you want, but your disagreement is with Scripture, Not with me. And some people will take the stance and say, well, the Scripture is not all true. The Scripture cannot be trusted in every aspect. Sometimes it doesn't mean what it says, and other times it does and doesn't. You know. Well, that's fine. You can take that stand. I disagree with you. But if you believe that Scripture is authority, if the Word of God is authority, then it's very clear there is judgment. And not all receive eternal life. At first, what are some of the thoughts that this parable about Judgment Day might cause for you? Some natural thoughts. What if I don't measure up? Think about that for a minute. Am I on the right track? Is my trajectory in life the correct one so that when it comes to the day of Judgment, I'll be on the right-hand side? I'll be a sheep and not a goat? How do I not live in total fear and anxiety of this day? Fair questions? But let me ask you this. What if Judgment Day was not meant to be such a downer? What if Jesus did not intend for Judgment Day to be this thing that we live in fear and anxiety of? What if what he meant by this parable was, look, there's going to be coming a day of judgment that you are going to love? I mean, is it possible that when we think about Judgment Day and the little bit of a twinge of fear that we get in our heart and in our mind is not what Jesus intended for his sheep? Let's look through some concepts about Judgment Day, some facts about Judgment Day that we know from this parable. Number one, the authority on Judgment Day belongs to Jesus. Jesus determines who the sheep are. I love this passage. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And at the end of that passage, it tells us what happens when Jesus said that. The Jews picked up stones again to stone Jesus. Why did they pick up stones? because he says I'm the one that judges I'm Jehovah I'm Lord with all caps this is an unmistakable parallel passage that gives us insight into the sheep of judgment day he claims that he is the judge that he is God that he will separate his sheep from the goats Jesus as our judge is quite a complex thought isn't it I mean yes he's God But he's also the Lamb of God that was slain for what? Our deficiencies that would cause us to be in significant trouble on the day of judgment. Slain for our sin when? The Scripture teaches us he was slain when? Before the foundation of the world. The same time eternal life was prepared for us. According to our parable we read today, it says... Enter into eternal life, which was prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Which brings us to our second fact about Judgment Day. The first one is that Jesus is judge, and he calls his sheep, and his sheep are safe. The second point is the results of judgment are timeless. We often think of Judgment Day as this future impending doomsday event. Kind of like global warming and Sarasota being underwater one day. Kind of that kind of thought, Judgment Day, you know? We think about Judgment Day as this future occurrence, and and certainly there is an aspect that there will be a day of judgment, so to speak. But look what the passage says. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you, Before the foundation of the world. That is a past implication of Judgment Day, is it not? Before the foundation of the world, a lot of this stuff was dealt with. That's interesting. Then look at this passage in Romans 8. It explains some more about how Judgment Day, the ramifications are not just future, but watch. For those whom he knew, foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers... What did he say in the first part of the passage? Whenever you cared for my brothers. That's the passage we read. You see the parallels here? In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What we see in this passage is an incredible aspect of three different layers of time related to Judgment Day. There's a past aspect. Before the foundation of the world, there's a predestination aspect. There is a calling aspect, that's a present tense. There is a justifying aspect, that's present. And there's a glorifying aspect, that's future. So we often think of Judgment Day as just being a future event. But in reality, Judgment Day is being fulfilled and happening right now. As you sit here... So the results of Judgment Day are timeless. It's not just an end result. The results are being determined as we speak. I love this passage in Romans, which explains the whole time process. Judgment Day has been determined in the past. Our preparation for it is occurring right now, and our victory on Judgment Day will occur in the future. So it's not just something that we're waiting for, it's something we're experiencing as we live and breathe as children of God. There's another fact about judgment day. The preparation is beyond our control. Okay. I can't control what I can't control. <clears throat> it's a great passage here. And we all with unveiled face. Beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed. That's a passive verb that we are here and something with an outside force is transforming us. Do you get this? You see how significant this tense of the verb is? We are sitting with unveiled face and we are being transformed. Somebody is acting on us and transforming us into the same image. From one degree of glory to another, that kind of gives you an idea of there is a process of transformation. We go from one step to another, to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Here's a great thing about Judgment Day. As bad as it may sound, the great part about it is this. The Spirit of God, which is given to us at salvation, is transforming us preparing us, making a way for us so that the judgment day will be sure to have us on the right side of God. So the preparation in many respects is beyond our control. Because I can promise you, if preparation for judgment day were left on your shoulders, you're in deep doo-doo. You guys agree with me on that? How many of you think, nah, I've got this. My smartphone has a to do list app I can use to make sure that I've everything done. I've got it on my calendar. I'll have an alert like 30 years ahead of time to know. That's an idea right there, a Judgment Day app. Think about that, write that down. That's a good one. All right. Here's another fact about Judgment Day the works the ones that he describes, right, about loving the brothers when they're sick and they're tired and when they're in prison or things like that, the works are predetermined. Loving of the fellow sheep is kind of a predetermined thing. We've been using this passage a lot, and we're going to use it again, and you're going to like it. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them or as the language indicates in the New Testament Greek, that we should stumble over. By no act of our own, but he transformed us by grace. You've been saved through faith. Even that faith is what? A gift. Even that faith is a gift. Not by works of you'd brag, for we are his workmanship. He's the one transforming us from glory to glory, right? We read about that. We are his workmanship, created in Christ, For good works, the kind of works that he will be judging us for at judgment, prepared beforehand that as we're walking along, we stumble over because he puts us right in the path of these good works. Notice that neither the sheep nor the goats seem to even be aware of what they were doing or didn't do. Jesus, what do you mean that we took care of you? We never saw you hungry. We never saw you naked. We never saw you in prison. Jesus says, if you did it to my brother's. The least of my brothers, you were doing it to me. And then the goat said, what are you talking about, Jesus? We never saw you hungry without clothes and in the prison. He says, you didn't do it to my brother, so you didn't do it to me. They were almost unaware of what was going on. They both asked the same thing. When did we see you? It's almost as if the actions were natural, instinctive, not intentional or conscious. But you see, this is important for you to understand, the good works mentioned in the parable are not listen carefully they are not the cause of your salvation they are the effect of your salvation as christians we become more like christ through the work of the spirit according to the will of the shepherd who calls us his sheep so take that concept and now that we understand that the work is not our, it's something that's predetermined, uh, the preparation is out of our control, that Jesus, the shepherd, the Lamb of God, is the judge, it's kind of not bound by time, judgment is happening at all moments. Here's an interesting thought Is it possible that what is being judged on Judgment Day is not us, but the work of Christ in us? Think about that for a minute jesus is there and he separates the sheep from the goats what makes the difference between the sheep and the goats is it something that makes the sheep better no it's sovereign grace that saves you that transforms you that enables you That the scripture says transforms you from step in glory to glory along the path. He creates good works that you stumble over. So, in reality, what is being judged on Judgment Day is not our righteousness. That's what the Jews expected Judgment Day to be about. But instead, what Judgment Day is about is the work of Christ in our hearts through the Spirit. That is the nature of grace, ladies and gentlemen. The judge who is responsible for determining our position is with us each step of the way to ensure that his sheep will measure up. (coughs) Let me read this passage to you again. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they will follow me. I give them eternal life, They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So preparation for Judgment Day doesn't lie on the shoulders of the sheep. My goodness, we're just sheep. We wander around looking for somebody to feed us and tell us where to go. I don't want to be responsible for making sure I'm ready for Judgment Day. I'd rather go ahead and put all my faith and trust and confidence in the shepherd who has proven himself to me over and over and over again. Not only that, he's the one that gave me the ability to trust in the fact that he's proven himself over and over and over again. So preparation for Judgment Day doesn't lie on the shoulders of the sheep. It lies on the shoulders of the judge and the shepherd who are the same person. The judge is the shepherd. The judge is the same guy who makes sure the sheep go where they're supposed to go, to make sure the sheep have what they need to live, who makes sure the sheep do what they're supposed to do. The judge and the shepherd are the same. So in effect, judgment day isn't a fearful motivator toward living the life described in the parable. In other words, what really Judgment Day is is an encouraging motivator, knowing that all along the way, the hand of the shepherd is there, reassuring us of the outcome of his sheep that he gave his life for. Do you see what I'm talking about here? Judgment Day has a totally different perspective when you recognize that the judge is also the shepherd who gave his life so that the sheep could be on the right-hand side. And so what happens is the works that he describes about loving the least of the brothers, that is a natural result of the work of the shepherd in your life. Question. Do you love the least of the brethren? That should be the encouragement that the shepherd has called you. He is transforming you, he is keeping you, and he is glorifying you. I'll finish by reading this passage. For whom he foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, hopefully they'll be okay for judgment day. Is that what it says? No. Those whom he justified, he will glorify. Invite you to stand with us this morning as we sing one final song um, to leave this place. It's really a song that's a prayer. We are so happy that you are here today. We are happy that you get to um, hear a message that really should be liberating for us because so often we worry: Am I good enough? Am I doing enough? What's going to happen?